The Ravens dominate again. Winners of four straight shades of 2019? This week on Pod Like a Raven. Yeah, I said it. Shades of 2019, the Ravens, 37-3 winners over the Seahawks. I am Antonio Barbera. I'm very excited to be talking about Ravens football. They've made it fun. They've made it fun. I'm going to bring in my co-host here to talk all about it. Let's start with Tim Horsey. Tim, I could get used to 30-point-plus wins. It's very good for my stress level. Um, so can we just have that for the rest of rest of the regular season? Yeah, after uh, last season, I didn't think I'd like seeing Tyler Huntley as much as I do uh, in the in these games. Um, just uh, another coast for the Ravens. You know, can they can they play from behind? Does it matter next week on Pod Like Right? No, um, I just what a thoroughly dominant win. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to talk about spoiler alert. I can't wait to talk about defense. I might just let you guys talk about the offense, and that's fine. I can't wait to talk about defense here. So, yeah, let's get into it. And Jace Evans. Jace, how you, how you feeling after another dominating win? Uh, I'm feeling good, Antonio. Uh, obviously, I wasn't here last week. I did listen. Uh, and, you know, I think it's good to have a week off sometimes to sit and reflect <laughs> and kind of take stock of where you are with things, you know. Um and uh, what, was I a little irrational about their performance against the Cardinals? Absolutely. But uh, to, to like kind of bounce back, and I, I think what's encouraging with this team is how um, like they weren't satisfied with their performance against the Cardinals. Like you read in the quotes, and even after this game, what they said about you know last week leaving a bad taste in their mouth. Relatively, they got a pretty easy win that ended up being kind of close at the very end. And they weren't happy with it. And so to come out this week and just kick butt against another team that came in as a division leader, uh, Seahawks first place in the NFC West uh, when this game started and like looked a good team uh, to just put it to them. I mean, it's pretty encouraging. Uh, and I think, I think even somehow, I think even stronger than what they did against the Lions um, personally, just kind of the way the game unfolded and stuff. I, I think there's even more encouraging signs. So yeah, it was, it was great. It was Stress-free, and uh, yeah, you mentioned Shades of 2019. It it felt like that. You know, that month of November in 2019, when they were just hammering the Texans and the Rams and, and all those teams, uh, it felt like that a little bit. And it hasn't been uh, these last two home games. So, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling as good about the Ravens as I have in years, despite, you know, what I may say on this show from time to time. Yeah, we, uh, we maybe took a few liberties with you not being around to defend yourself <laughs> talking about text messages and all those things i then did give you some props about the seahawks and the 49ers much more of a race than uh i had anticipated when, when the season started with jace um being a little bit more bullish uh, on the seahawks than i was and then this game happened so maybe i maybe i spoke too soon <laughs> yeah. i shouldn't have said this but uh for the listener uh i know what you're thinking you're thinking Shades of 2019, let's settle down. Uh, it's just a couple of games here. They still have a lot to fix. They still fumble the ball uh, more than any other team uh, I've ever seen that doesn't actually have butter on their fingers. But I'm just going to walk you through something real quick, and then we'll get into the details of this Seahawks game. The Ravens have now scored 38 
31, and 37 points in their last three games. In two of those games, they stopped trying to score after the third quarter. The scores could have even been worse. They are now sixth in the league in points per game. They have six legitimate pass-catching weapons. That's right. I'm throwing Isaiah Likely into that mix because he finally had a bit of a game. He'd been so quiet just because of how far down he is on the depth chart. Four catches in this game. So I'm adding him to the legitimate pass-catching weapons crew. They now have four running threats out of the backfield when you add Mitchell to the... the uh, the two running back combo, you got a third back and Lamar. Four guys can run out of the backfield. Defensively, they are first in the league in points against. They stop the run, they get to the quarterback, and they defend well and turn the ball over on the back end. They have the best point differential in the National Football League, and it's not even really close at this point. They are 37 points better than the 49ers, who are second in point differential. And then two final aspects. One, they're not even perfect in these games, and they're scoring easily in bunches. Lamar Jackson has five passing touchdowns in the past four games total. That's not, that's not even that good. They're just <laughs> able to march the ball downfield and then pound it in. And second, maybe the most important of all of this, the AFC is not the gauntlet that we thought it was going to be in July and August. We know what's going on with the Jets. The Chiefs' offense is not the terrifying juggernaut of the past. They have to seemingly work hard for every first down now. The Dolphins, fraud alert, have yet to beat a team with a winning <laughs> record. The Bills are in third place in their own division. They might have moved up to, to second with the win last night, but still fighting for, for just a spot in their own division. I would say nobody fears the Jaguars outside of Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> Will the Ravens continue to dominate down the stretch? That remains to be seen. But they passed another massive test in this gargantuan blowout of a good Seattle Seahawks football team. Again, I say it, 37-3. to So I turn to you guys now. Before we get into the nitty-gritty here, overarching feelings of this team at what is now the halfway point offensively and defensively. I may owe... Uh, one Mr. John Harbaugh, an apology, Antonio. I've been very hard on him uh, on this program. I may have suggested just mere weeks ago he should not be the coach of this team <laughs> going forward and in 2024. Um, but he's, you know, I, the, I think he's made two incredible hires in offensive and defensive coordinator and bringing in Todd Munkin. You know, was it... Uh, one or two years maybe after they should have made a change in offensive coordinator position that could be debated. I think that Mike McDonald and we'll get more into the defense, just a phenomenal hiring. I mean, this is defense is crazy good. Um, and so the ship, the ship's okay. The ship is fine. <laughs> um, and it's unfair of me uh, to expect this team to be perfect every week. Uh, you know, I think, that can happen sometimes. We are fans, short for fanatics, and uh, I'll find a way to be frustrated about every game. Uh, and there were things from this game that we'll touch on that were even frustrating in a 37-3 win. Uh, there's still, you know, things they can improve upon. But, you know, that's football. Uh, but in the grand scheme, I, I think it's abundantly clear um, 
that the Ravens are one of the best teams in the NFL this season, like just undeniably. And uh, and Ronnie Stanley has said as much. He's he called this team this Ravens team quote the most talented team I've been a part of, the team with the most potential. And like yes, they probably won't win the Super Bowl because it's just really hard to win the Super Bowl. Uh, but this is a vow. This is a promise for me. I, I promise to enjoy the ride uh, as best I can without without dwelling on the negative every time. And, you know, I think this team, but I do think this team has a chance, like, to win the Super Bowl. And really, that's sort of all you could ask for. And as you said, you mentioned it off the top, especially in a weird season. This is a weird, this is a weird league. Uh, you know, the Ravens currently not actually the one seed. They're the two seed. And, of course, they play the Bengals at the season ended today in a playoff game. Not what you want, but... Uh, um, but they're still in a really great place, and I, I think that's encouraging, and I think they have a chance, and I think they have a great team, and I think, it, like you mentioned the Shades of 2019, it's this feels to me like, you know, it's hard to kind of, it's been several years now, kind of reflect back to that moment, but this feels as close to then, and I think maybe even a better team. Because I think this defense is the best of the Lamar era, and we'll talk about them more shortly. But but they, this team has a chance to win a Super Bowl, especially in a, a weird year. And that's kind of all you can ask for. So my apologies, John Harbaugh. I'm sorry for wanting you fired. I, the next time someone gets hurt, I'm probably talking about Lamar's ankle this week, uh, and he just gives some BS answer. I'm going to get annoyed. But, you know, it is what it is. He's a great coach. And, uh, yeah, this, team, this is a great team. <laughs> I'll just start with I don't think there's any reason to apologize for being critical. Um, you <laughs> know, right. we're fans, we're fanatics. You you put it so eloquently there of like this is we're we're joining you week to week to give our relatively instant reactions to all these things. And yeah, we're if we were just like some of the people that you hear that say you can't be a fan if you diss the team, that's ridiculous. No, that's we put way too much into this arguably maybe not arguably too much into this to not be to not have you know share our feelings when when we think things need to be criticized but i i can't really disagree with anything you said jace i think i think the thing i would add on to it is that not only the coaching hires but it seems like the players and position groups that needed addressing not only properly got addressed by bringing guys into the building, but bringing the right guys into the building. Um, you know, even like a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., who had kind of a coming out party game um, as just, what, fourth option, fifth option guy? Like, is just that dude in your locker room now? And guy who clearly, you know, in the past, we've obviously, I've, I've dissed him multiple times on this program talking about how I didn't want him on the Ravens in years past, but seems to have this level of, like, I just really want to effing win, and I want to be able to contribute to winning. And it's not me, people are like, oh, he's throwing his helmet because he didn't get the ball. No, he's throwing his helmet because he is not he is not scoring and contributing to a winning football team. Um, guys like Kyle Van Noy and Jadavion Clowney, who, you know, God love your Justin Houstons of the world, but didn't really make the impact that these two have made already. Uh, in that in the in the pass rush and, and kind of on that defensive front, this team, I think even those teams of the past you know couple of years that we had so much hope for that then they just got incredibly injured and we were just like, well, you know, we're never really going to know the full potential of those teams. Those teams fully healthy, I don't think touch this team in terms of just how well rounded, how deep they are, 
everything like everything has worked. You know, Mike McDonald is God willing coach in waiting, as we made the joke on here in Pod Like a Raven. Todd Munkin, it's all coming together. Um, Lamar Jackson is having an absolutely incredible year. What they're doing with that offense in terms of giving him giving Lamar more freedom to um, make certain plays. I, I've seen this analogy a bunch of times, and so this is not an original, but I thought it was so good of like this offense is like a pitcher that has a bunch of different stuff, fastball, curveball, changeup, slider, but they all look the same coming out of the hand. You don't know what's coming until it comes across the plate and it's already too late. Um, and I, I think that just every aspect of that, from the coaching to the talent to the depth to the well-roundedness of this team – makes me really encouraged. I think it's a team that, you know, as Tony Romo told you about 6,000 times, can compete in January. <laughs> but I think that's true because, you know, unless they're, unless they're turning the ball over, which is the one negative for me, I think the defense can have a slightly a below average day for them and the offense can pick up the, the pace or pick up the, the slack, excuse me. I think if the offense has kind of one of those muddled days, the defense could just say, "Fine, we're not going to let this other team score." Teams are scoring on not, teams are scoring touchdowns on nine percent of drives on this Ravens defense. Nine percent. The Ravens haven't done that since two thousand. By the way, um, it, it's just it. You know, I could go on and on. It, it, it's just it's really really cool to see a team that is can beat you in so many ways because they are so talented, they are so deep, and they are so well coached. It's a good final point there. Shades of 2019 offensively. Shades of 2000 defensively, which seems blasphemous. But as the games pile on, they have looked just sturdy week in, week out. Uh, I want to edit myself because I realized I got one stat wrong in my little uh, emotional monologue there at the top. Buffalo Bills technically, first of all, they lost Sunday night to the Bengals. I'm going to clarify that. They are 5-4. and four. They're third in the East but they still have a better point differential than the 49ers. They are two points better than the <laughs> Niners in point differential. So technically, the Ravens are only at 35 uh, points better <laughs> with point differential as opposed to 37. So uh, I want to make sure that I'm fact-checking myself there. Let's turn to the game specifically now. The Ravens offensively against the Seahawks. Baltimore punted on the first two possessions, and they did not punt again. They had absolute dominance moving the ball Dominance in terms of total yards, dominance in the red zone. Um, the past game was a little choppy uh, early. There, there were a few penalties also on those first two drives. that kind of just got them all out of, uh, out of sorts in terms of down and distance. But the run game, guys, was dominant from the beginning. And then they just kind of peppered in these short completions with some yards after the catch after that. But it was the run game that every single down they seemed like they would be could be getting six, seven, eight, nine yards, and by the second half of this game, by the fourth quarter, they were getting nine yards uh, almost on every carry um, with the with the sort of uh, battered down, you know, Seahawks defense. But what are your guys' thoughts on the evolution of this offense and maybe going back a little bit, back in, back in time a little bit with uh, classic run concepts that were just dominant against Seattle? I think... It, by the way, it's cool to see that they can dominate this team. 298 yards on the ground. That is after the kneel down at the very end of the game, which would have made it 300 yards for a team that just brought in Leonard Williams and kind of was doing much better at stopping the run this year uh, in terms of what Seattle had done in the past. We've talked about this before. I think it's really good that Todd Munkin came in here and didn't have the ego of, 
we need to do everything my way. You know, one of the things that they talked about when he was hired was the fact that he was multiple, the fact that he had run plenty of different types of offenses throughout his career and that he can kind of mix and match to fit the talent. It is not like a a coach who is like, I, and this is something you see, and Antonio know this in like soccer a lot. I run my system my way. The players will do it this way, and we're gonna and you have to, you know, my way or the highway. You, you can't do that in an NFL offense. You have to play to your team's strengths, and he has done that in abundance. Um, and I think it's just been, it's been really cool to see again, kind of what I referenced before of. Every time that you think they're going to zig, they can zag, they can do it, they can run out of every formation, they can go heavy and bring in the likes of Pat Ricard and, you know, Mark Andrews in the backfield with a Gus Edwards, by the way, just driving all the way down the field, Gus Edwards not touching the ball once, and then he gets the ball on, like, the five-yard <laughs> line, fresh legs coming right at a guy like Devin Witherspoon or, you know, a, a, a smaller linebacker or whoever it is, like, that's trouble for any defense who's gassed and then the battering ram comes in. And um, just on the two, you know, I'm sure we'll be bringing it up, but I'll just I'll start here. Keaton Mitchell, man, like, you know, going to be the fantasy pickup of the week. I probably won't touch him because I know the Ravens and he won't. He'll have like five carries every game the rest of the year and not have that, do that much. But at least for right now, as we talk about it, um, just a juice that you don't see from guys uh, that that are currently in this this stable of running backs for the Ravens. You know, Justice Hill is supposed to be this smaller, quicker receiving type of back. Keaton Mitchell is just burning by dudes. He looks like he's playing on fast forward, and everybody else is playing in reverse when when he got the ball on some of those big runs, which is cool to see because if that is if that's real and that's not just like a uh, teams don't really know what to expect from this guy, that is a, another weapon. To, a, to an arsenal uh, on this offense that is already, you know, locked and loaded. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's like the defining kind of guy you have to focus in on in this game when it comes to rushing. Like you mentioned, um, Gus Edwards, only five carries actually in this game. He, now he goes 52 yards because he just mows down the Seahawks on the first play out of halftime and then punches in two touchdowns. Those are three of his carries. Uh, I love the bus, but... Uh, the, the Keaton Mitchell just sort of emergence, you know, he gets his first carries basically of his career uh, at nine carries, 138, a touchdown. And it was, they, they got him involved early. So it's, it's the, their, the drive, which I'm sure we'll touch on this more in a second. They fumble the ball yet again. They get the ball back. It's seven to nothing. And they go on this drive. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a pretty I- impressive drive. And this is where they get Mitchell in the mix. And uh, Jim Nance mentioned that on this drive, every one of Mitchell's carries went at least eight yards. They just kept giving him the ball, and he just, like, kept finding yards. And I, he actually has his, you know, his more explosive plays later in the touchdown um, and the 60-yard the run. Um, but it, it was it was this this first drive where I, I thought he was just, just really impressive. Um and I think he just adds a speed element, like Tim, like you mentioned, that I frankly think we just haven't had at the running back position, like, since J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL. Like, just straight up. Like, you think of, like, Le'Veon Bell and Devonta Freeman and all those guys. And, uh, the one week we, uh, was it Tyson Williams? Like, he had a little bit of speed. But otherwise, we've had just these old running backs uh, who aren't that fast, and he seems to just jump, especially on that touchdown. I mean, you saw him just just run away from everyone. But the whole game, he was strong. Like I said, that series, this is via Next Gen Stats. Uh, Keaton Mitchell gained uh, plus 108 rushing yards over expected 
on his nine carries. And that's the most uh, a running backs gained over expected in a single week. So it's Ronald Jones went plus 110 in a 2020 game. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, like, kind of a semi-historic performance, at least, like, getting that many yards above expected is just really encouraging. And I think, you know, getting him in the mix kind of, it, it helped. I'm, I kind of think the Ravens were going to be fine regardless, depending on, based on how this defense played. But to get him in the mix and get that drive and go up 14 to nothing, it, it was just, it was really impressive. And, and like I said, we'll see if it's a sign of things to come. Tim, I'm very there with you. I could see him blowing a pass block assignment and just, we don't see him for three weeks yeah. again. Uh, and uh, we get a lot of gusts next week. Um, I'm not going to be stunned by that if we get a, like a 15 to 20 carry Gus Edwards game next week. <laughs> um, but uh, it was really cool to see. And, uh, you know, obviously his story's cool. He's Anthony Mitchell's kid, which is kind of crazy to think about. That like, guy we previously watched on the Ravens, now son's on the team. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was just so impressed with him. And I, and I thought, like, when it came to the run game, he was obviously, I think, like the thing that popped from this game. Uh, just real quickly, like you, you joke about that, Jace, right? Of like, oh, we'll get a bunch of gusts next week. Is is it necessarily a bad thing? No. That, like <laughs> that all of a sudden they can just say, you know what? It's a game in the mud. It's the Browns, two good defenses. We're going to go, you know, I would say three yards in a cloud of dust, but it's Gus Edwards. So we're going to go 5.2 yards in a cloud of dust. <laughs> and, and you know, win the game that way. Like, I, either either way, you know, obviously we hope it's not because of a Keaton Mitchell, like, doghouse thing, but they could, they can pivot that way, which I think is nice. The other thing, too, I, I just want to mention about Mitchell. Like, yeah, the speed is there, right? And it's great. And that's something that the, the, the backfield, like you mentioned, is, is lacked for a long time. But it was the elusiveness and the ability to, like, shed tackles as well like i was listening to something jace uh on monday as we record this and, and I, I don't I, i'm just throwing this to you so i, I don't know if you even have this on top of your head but at east carolina he was like a highly rated running back in college he was like very good was supposed to go middle of the draft like might have been like a second team like not all american but like conference honors or first team conf- all conference at east carolina what have you i know it's a, a bit bit of a lower level but like just kind of another dude that slipped through that the Ravens found. And, and it's not just this speed merchant, use them on end arounds, use them on gadget plays. Like in today's NFL, where you don't really have a bell cow back, you have committees, you have running back rooms, you have stables, you have got, you know, 10 to 12 carries for one to two guys, maybe three guys. If you're like the Ravens like to run the ball, he's, he's a part of that rotation. Like he is not a gadget. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem like anyway, unless we're completely overreacting, he seems like a dude who can really, really contribute to this offense. Yeah, I completely agree. I, and, and it is those runs. Uh, well, like you said, it's like uh, the, it is breaking tackles. It is just powering through up the middle that gets you like, you know, these yards above expected and just the shiftiness to get away from like what's a quote expected tackle or whatever. So that's that's what's really exciting. And I think that's what, what intrigued me especially was actually that 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 second quarter drive uh, when it's seven to nothing, they get him in the mix, uh, and and he just mostly goes up the middle. It wasn't yeah until kind of later that we saw him kind of bust bust outside and use the speed that way. So yeah, I'm completely with you. If it is real, it adds another element, and because I think you can't have too many backs. Obviously, you know we kind of tied into this. I think the running thing it's very much a John Harbaugh thing as well uh, is why why we still run the ball 
Uh, more than any team in the league, I believe, entering, even entering this week. Uh, pretty sure the Ravens were number one in rushing attempts. So, like, it's going to be part of their identity, especially, I mean, Lamar. It's funny with Lamar. He, he can have, like, a quiet game uh, and still just, like, be so good. Like, I mean, it, some of his runs are just crazy, and he only ends up with 60 yards. But it's just, like, whenever you have to have it, it feels like Lamar <laughs> kind of comes up with, with the yards. And so having him in the backfield, too, that's obviously, I think, such a big starting point of all of this is is uh, just what Lamar can do on the ground. Uh, and I thought through the air, you know, he doesn't have a crazy game, 21 for 26, 187. But I, I thought he was great, too. Um, and obviously it He's he's the highest paid player on the team, one of the highest paid players in the league, so it kind of all starts with him. Um, but just one Lamar thing I just wanted to touch on. Uh, he leads the NFL in completion percentage right now at 71.5%. Uh, and I'll admit, I like never thought he would ever do that. <laughs> he just never expected Lamar to be a completion percentage leader uh, based on his early career. But uh He's been great, and, and I think, like, you know, I don't know. We were kind of talking before we even started recording about the MVP conversation. I don't know if he's going to win MVP just because his raw numbers are probably not going to be there, but I think every week Lamar's been a top-five quarterback, like, week in, week out, clearly, with his play, and you can't really ask for more than that. Uh, the turnovers are insane, and we'll get we'll get to that more in depth in a moment, but, uh, you know, I he still brings it every week, and I think he's the number one reason why the offense is great, even including the run game. And just weirdly, he's 18-1 against the NFC now. I don't know what this means. Um, hopefully it means they win the Super Bowl if they ever get there. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that's just one-off matchups against teams you don't play that often, but it, it's it's kind of crazy. 18-1, <laughs> and like that's, that's a large sample size at this point. Yeah, Jace, I would say 100%. It's teams he doesn't play very often haven't seen him very often they play him once every four years it's a completely new roster of players at that point and they have to see him a, a second time in four years and they're not nobody's used to it the number the number stuff with him is it is hilarious because you see him profiled on espn bill barnwell puts him as his current mvp winner <laughs> in his ranking and then you look at the box score and you say like can we settle down here he threw for 187 yards he did it in three quarters. He didn't play the fourth quarter because they'd already dropped 30 points. Uh, he could, sure, he could be stat padding and throwing it through the air, but a better performance is what he did with that completion percentage, moving the ball on every drive and leaving when his team has scored 30 points, as opposed to a Herbert game where he has 450 passing yards and the Chargers have scored 13 points somehow, and it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. So, um yeah, it's just him. It's just efficiency is really what it is. He's doing a lot of nice things. His accuracy is some of the best we've seen. Um, he's got the arm angles down like the best of them. I mean, I'm not going to say Mahomes because it just feels, you know, I think everybody puts him in a category by himself. But um, he is very, very good at that aspect of, of games. I remember I had, in his rookie year, I had these question marks about his height, even though I think he's 6'2", but he wasn't 6'6 <laughs> six, six and a quarter, so not Joe Flacco. So I wondered how much of an issue that was going to be. Or but That has never, ever once been an issue. He is not a balls batted down at the line guy because he's able to see it, read the lineman, and then kind of slot it in these tight windows for completions. Just really good, really good stuff. More and more of just a mastery of the position, seeing little things here and there. Um, and these are the results, is these blowouts. 
when it's not even a full a fully executed performance from the offense. All right, Tim. So somebody, Jace, go get Tim because we're gonna start <laughs> we're gonna start talking about the defense here. We got to turn it around. Um, actually, no. I'll tell you what. I'm gonna have one more point to make about the offense. Sorry, Tim. Ah, somebody, Tim, somebody send Tim back 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 into the other room because I want to say one more offensive thing that I can complain about, and I'm gonna use that to pivot to uh, to the defensive performance. <clears throat> Odell Beckham Jr. is officially on my uh, red flag watch. Um, you know, we've been positive the whole time, so it's okay to be negative. He has become the prototypical over-the-hill former superstar who's realizing every week that he isn't the same player that he was and is, as a result, trying way too hard to make super plays on every down. He already had a few of those catches where he runs backwards after the catch trying to make it a big gain and actually loses yards and loses a first down. And his fumble at the end of the first half of this football game was the perfect culmination of him overplaying, and it's frustrating, and I'm hoping it does not become a bigger flag in the December-January football games. He catches a ball in a two-minute drill near the sidelines. His first move, without even thinking, should have been turn to the sidelines, get out of bounds. But that's not what he is, and I'm concerned about it. He, of course, fakes out of bounds, cuts back inside, and tries to gain an extra what? two yards for no reason while being tackled, holding the ball out like a middle schooler at recess, and of course it gets knocked out because this is the National Football League and defensive players are too good for that type of play. Of course it gets knocked out. The Seahawks recover. It's... I can only imagine Jace. I don't, I don't even I don't even want to know what his thoughts were at that point. It's such a disastrous play that should have led to the Seahawks tacking on some cheap points, but they do not. Why? Because the Ravens have the best defense in the National Football League. Tim, I, t- I bring you back. I bring you back in now to turn to the defensive performance because could, could we not pick that series as just a perfect encapsulation of the talent, the drive, the execution of this defense saying, oh, Seahawks think that you're going to steal some points there before half off the turnover? No. In fact, we're taking the ball back. We're taking the ball back, and we're going to score points in the last minute. What are your thoughts on this defensive team, this defensive performance? I'll start with what I started in the in the text group, and this was not hyperbole to the guys uh, during this game. I said, quote, not lying when I say I have tears in my eyes watching this defense. Um, I'm, like, actually getting choked up here on the show, which is actually – I'm 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 an insane person. I'm a literal insane person. <laughs> Watching that unit completely fluster and manhandle a very respectable offense, another respectable offense, and by themselves shut this game down w- was beautifully nostalgic. Every level of this defense is so, so good. Freaking Geno Stone leads the league in interceptions. Now, we can argue that pretty much all of them have been gimmies. Um, at least it seems like it. Maybe he's just in the right position at the right time, and that's on him and good for him. But um, just the way that they constantly are in the quarterback's face, the way they hit 
the way that they swarm to the football, the swagger that they have, it is what I grew up on and what we grew up on as Ravens fans for our for our you know our young lives and and kind of how I became a football fan. Like I've always liked defense first because that's what I had to root for. I had to root for <laughs> seven three and hopefully we win just because the defense <laughs> the defense was out on the field for forty five minutes and held the team to three points remarkably or we'd end up losing because they were gassed at the end and you know your father's screaming prevent defense prevents you from winning the game and then you realize well they have to play prevent because they've literally been out on the field the entire game and can no longer run um it's 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 remarkable uh you know we we start up front i just one little stat i want to throw here before we kind of talk about the players um this comes from luke jones seattle had 89 total yards in the first half (laughs) <laughs> 50 of those came on the DK Metcalf catch and run. They had 39 yards in the first half outside of the DK Metcalf play. There was nowhere to go for the Seattle offense. And it wasn't just Geno Smith being not, you know, I don't really, I think everybody's kind of, it was a one hit wonder thing with Geno Smith. Maybe who knows, but how the, this, the defense is schemed up, right? Mike McDonald, smarter people than me will break it down for you of just, the multiple different looks they have, how they send pressure from different ways, how they confuse uh, quarterbacks into disguising coverages and what have you. And then you start, I'm starting from the back to the front because I want to talk about the front the most. Everybody knows that. You know, having Marlon Humphrey just blanket whoever is on that side of the field with him um, and and him getting back to his best. No Marcus Williams out there and Geno Stone really stepping up. Kyle Hamilton becoming a a queen on the chessboard, as I mentioned multiple times, an absolute game wrecker because he can do so many different things. And not only is he, you know, got, got the athletic skills, he's got the football smarts. He's a good tackler too. Like guys do not get away from the wingspan of Kyle Hamilton. You look at the linebackers. I almost feel like I should leave Roquan Smith out of this because I've said so much (laughs) about Roquan Smith and you know, you know about Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith is a Mack truck with a zero on his chest looking to make sure that people leave this game and have to go immediately into an ice bath. He's, he, is the, he is the instant leader on this football team from the moment he took over and shows with not only his words but his style of play. Patrick Queen has been an absolute... I, I, I'm trying to refrain from saying dog, but just has been a dog. He's a tiger, actually. <laughs> the, just how how effective he is at blitzing right up the middle um, of that of that defense, how sideline to sideline he is. The, the the physical traits of Patrick Queen finally meshing with, or I should I should say it the opposite way. Knowing the game and and being able to be in the right position at the right time and, and using his football brain, meshing with the incredible physical talents that he has, has been remarkable i mean he's he's usually do the ball before roquan smith is because he is just that gifted of a player and then up front kyle van noy and davion Clowney have been absolute revelations um constantly getting pressure even you know our text chain started on, on sunday with us uh mfing adafi way and even he got in on the party a little bit too finally finishing a play when when he at first didn't so he's been he's been pretty effective. You, obviously, you still have the likes of Tyus Bowser and David Ajabo, who are not even there at the moment. And then Justin Matabike. I I don't want to take any victory laps here because <laughs> I, maybe I was just on it a year early. But Justin Matabike is the closest thing I've ever seen to Aaron Donald. Um, it's 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 
the way the physical nature of him, he kind of has the same stature. And my man is just eating people alive every single play from a defensive tackle position. I I, I really hope they can keep him. I will say this right now, especially because Roquan switched to the zero, and I'm still not super convinced of it. Matabike signs the deal. That's the jersey. Black 92. (laughs) It's happening. It's immediately happening. I will pay for the extra, like, customize the jersey and make sure I put the U before the I or the I before the U or however the hell you spell his name <laughs> and like triple check it just to make sure I'm taking it's two U's and an I I'm looking at it right here um he's been great Michael Pierce has been great Michael Pierce has been so good that he's a nose tackle that still plays on third down because he's been getting after the passer <laughs> that much and he could take up two blockers allowing you know the likes of a Patrick Queen it looks very reminiscent to the 2000s and I'm not relating that's the greatest defense of all time we're not there yet but like the Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams taking up blockers, allowing your linebackers, Jamie Sharper and Peter Bulware and Ray Lewis to run everywhere free and make plays. A lot of that with Michael Pierce taking up two guys, allowing Patrick Queen to get through the hole, especially on those um, on the on those blitzes. It's it's just so refreshing and and, and really again just warms my heart to see a defense <laughs> that is so dominant, so mean, so aggressive. To the point where I rather – you shouldn't want to watch defense, right? Like, if you had to pick your offense or your defense, it's more likely that your defense is going to give up points than your offense. Like, from a natural I want to win the football game standpoint, you're like, I want to watch the offense because they're going to score points and points help me win the game. I would rather watch the defense than watch Lamar Jackson. Like, if, you, if I had to be blind for half of the football game, I'd rather not watch the most electric quarterback in the National Football League and watch this defensive unit. Like, that, that's that's how good they have been. That's how much they enjoy. I enjoy them. And I really hope they keep it up. You know, Mike McDonald's a smart guy. I, I hope that teams don't start to figure out their blitz packages and, and the way they're getting pressure and stuff. I I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that the people will not. We'll have to see. But, man, long may it continue because I tell you what, you know, not to sound like Tony Romo, but you get into January, that's the unit that's going to win you games uh, down the stretch here against some of these top quarterbacks. And right now, at this moment in time, you know, early November, I wholeheartedly believe that they can do that. I completely agree with you, Tim. Like, I think this defense is the reason why I, I'm so high on this team and why they do have a chance to be special. Because, like you said, I mean, I, I think this is the best defense Lamar's had that he's played with. Um, and, and statistically, and I think just eye test-wise, it's like the best since the prime days of the Ed Reed, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, Sizzle, Haloti Nada, all those guys. Like this is like some of their best statistics since like the 2008 Ravens uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I, I mean, you mentioned Tim the the uh, the first half stats. They just built the whole game out of that. Uh, the Seahawks had uh, 151 total yards in this game. The Ravens outgained them 515 to 151. <laughs> just uh, the third downs. It's one for 12 on third down for the Seahawks. 0 for one on their one fourth down. It's just total domination, and Zarebek had this. So of their eighty or of their one hundred and fifty-one yards, eighty-five came on two plays. There was that fifty-yard pass he hit Metcalf over the middle. Then they had one one other pass to uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then that was it. Their other forty-five plays grossed a total of sixty-six yards. It was just absolute shutdown. And, and I think Antonio like. What you mentioned, like that that sequence right before the half, is I, I think 
well, you could argue the turning point of the game because, uh, you know, they give up that 50-yard pass to uh, DK Metcalf and they hold him and it's 14-3 to and you're like, all right, we're in great shape. Great stop before the half. Odell has that absolutely dumb turnover. Ridiculous. And then you're right back on the field and you're like, oh my God, they're going to score a touchdown here. We're going to have dominated this entire first half and it's going to be 14 to 10 somehow. <laughs> and here we go again. But no, Kyle Van Noy back-to-back sacks. So like Tim, you mentioned way earlier in the show, like one of these guys they brought in during the season, right? He wasn't even a preseason signing and he's up to five sacks. Uh, and he, he shuts him, he sacks him. And then the Seahawks, you know, maybe getting too aggressive, uh, but third and 21 strip sack, he comes around and they're able to, they hit one pass to Andrews and the Ravens are able to get points at the half. And then you think it's pretty much done. It's 17 to three at halftime. And it was just such a big turning point. And so I think to kind of come up strong in that moment when, you know, momentum could have swung the other way. It was seemed to be tipping towards the Seahawks. They get points and then they immediately get the ball back from another Ravens offensive mistake. Uh, but the defense just comes up and with a takeaway and just shuts it down and they get points out of it. It, it was just so impressive. And, and yeah, I mean, I think this is, it, like I said, why I'm so excited is about this is I think this is their best defense of the Lamar era. And Antonio, we were kind of talking about this pre-show, Tim, I don't even think you were on yet, but we were chatting and this kind of started with this defense, the back half of last year. Mm-hmm. And Oh, the I wonder, was... I wonder, since a certain Roquan Smith has arrived. Interesting. Hmm. Since October 31st, hmm. I believe, was when they traded for him. They were awesome down the stretch. And the problem was they were looking good in the first few weeks after the, around that trade, um, especially that Saints Monday night game, his first game, and then Lamar gets hurt. And we see a strong defense with a not a strong offense. But we're getting both this year. And it's been great. And if they can just keep that, that's what's going to give them a chance in January because it's the best defense in the NFL combined with one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. And if they go offense, it's so weird to have Lamar Jackson to be like, that's the unit that's got to figure it out on a week-to-week basis. But that's been the case this entire season so far. Uh, both losses are directly the fault of the offense, <laughs> as we've talked about on this show. And so it's just it's just hard not to be so excited about what they're doing. It, it's, it's dominant. It's even historic in some ways. And, yeah, just the stories are incredible. Like you said, Geno Stone, six interceptions out of nowhere. Of course, he's a free agent. Matabike is a free agent. Uh, who, Patrick Queen's a free agent. Matabike, seven and a half sacks now. He set a franchise record. Uh, for at least half a sack in six straight games. Like, there's been great players on this defense. And so we're seeing, like, historic performances uh, from some of these guys. And and I think what's even more impressive is no one, maybe Matabike is emerging into a superstar, but I was going to say, like, outside of Roquan Smith and probably Marlon Humphrey, I don't know that you'd call anyone on this defense, like, a superstar, but they just work so well together, and it's just been a really joy, a great joy to watch. And, yeah, and when they needed to on Sunday, they stepped up in the biggest moment, and that was that was basically game over once the Ravens, I think, shut down that um, because, yeah, the 17-3 to at the half, and then the Ravens immediately tacked more points on. It was kind of, yeah, that was the game. It was the biggest moment, and they, they rose to the occasion. So just absolute domination all the way around on Sunday. Ravens defense allowed 1.9 yards per carry to the Seahawks. (laughs) Got four sacks in the game. And outside of two plays that Jace just outlined, 
the passing offense was non-existent for the Seahawks. Tim and I last week spent a good chunk of the preview talking about the test that was going to be the Seahawks' offensive skill position players against the Ravens' secondary, and it was a non-factor, essentially a non-factor. Um, a few intangibles that I want to go over. Uh, I am so so prepared for Lamar Jackson to not practice at all this week <laughs> uh, and terrify everyone in Ravenland, even though he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. Those are three real Harbaugh quotes. He's fine, he's fine, he's fine. <laughs> I can't wait for him not to practice. He'll do maybe the walkthrough on Friday, but nothing else. Uh, Tucker was solid. Not diff- not the most difficult kicks, but made them all. Uh, stout was stout. Had some nice punts early in the game when he was needed to punt footballs and then kind of <laughs> just hung out on the sidelines. <sighs> It'd be great to just limit the fumbles to one per game. I you know, I, I don't expect perfection. I'm not a I'm not a greedy man. I just how about just one fumble a game and not two to three to four? A um, couple other things, and then, and then I'll turn to my co-hosts here for their final thoughts. But <sighs> Tony Romo, good goodness, goodness me. Um, I think he likes the Ravens as Super Bowl contenders. I'm not sure, though. Oh he God. only said it in his intro four times in the first half, three times in the second half, and then once in his outro. <laughs> He likes the Ravens. He thinks that the Ravens are solid. He thinks Lamar Jackson is really, really good. He can beat you a lot of ways. And he likes the Ravens as Super Bowl contenders. And then my final bit uh, from this game is the Ravens were able to draw the Seahawks offside uh, on a fourth and one. It's it's your classic high school play that doesn't really work in the NFL uh, anymore after Aaron Rodgers did it enough times with the Packers. The Ravens were able to get the Seahawks to jump on fourth down, and Tyler Linderbaum just does the stand-up right in the face of the Seahawks lineman and just does the deep point for a first down while laughing and screaming, like walking through them. And it was a very strong, symbolic moment uh, of what the Ravens did to the Seahawks in that game. Smile, scream, point in the direction they wanted to go, and walk through them. So what a performance there. Uh, Any final thoughts, guys, on this Ravens game? Just a few things off of the stuff you mentioned. Uh, Jordan Stout, my dad and I were left marveling. He had a 66-yard punt at one point in this game when it was still 0-0, like from his head zone. That sneaky big moment of the game when it was still sort of a game, uh, kind of an underrated play. And then uh, Antonio, I, I went down the rabbit hole investigating, looking into this fumble situation. Uh, this will not surprise you. Um, we're tied for the league lead in fumbles with 17. Somehow with two other teams. And the Jaguars are one of them. So, uh, And the Vikings, I believe, are the other. So some other decent teams put the ball on the ground a lot. Ten are from Lamar uh, <laughs> of those 17. I will say Sunday's fumble was not his fault for once. Uh, Ronnie Stanley just got completely beaten twice in a three-play sequence. <laughs> I thought he otherwise played pretty well, but whatever was going on in that series, uh, Ronnie Stanley's had better days. He whiffed on his guy. Lamar got the ball chopped out from him. Basically what Kyle Van Noy later did to, uh, you know, to Juno Smith. But um, so, but of those 17 fumbles we've had on the year, uh, the Ravens have lost nine of them. So they're putting the ball on the ground and not really recovering them at uh you know, more often than not, I feel like the offensive team kind of does recover a fumble. It can be a lot of luck, but generally you're like, oh, we lost the ball. Let's get it. Um, but we contrast those nine lost fumbles with we've only recovered four on defense. And that's out of seven forced. So we are putting the ball 
on the ground way more than our opponents. And uh, yeah, maybe, you know, it is fumble luck to some extent, but like, it just seems like we are getting way less a percentage of the available fumbles in the game. <laughs> it seems sort of disproportionate. And uh, yeah, uh, if the Ravens don't win the Super Bowl, it's very easy to see a fumble in a critical moment, uh, undoing them in the playoffs. Maybe fin- as part as part of a larger issue of fish- finishing games, I can easily see it. Um, and uh, Tim, you mentioned this in our text thread. Uh, the Lamar Justice Hill RPO that just has to end. Has to that end. was their other. F- yep. That was their other fumble on the day. <laughs> when the game was. They. I think they did actually recover that one, right? But yeah, that was that was awful. Uh, it's so they got to stop that. And the, the fumble thing, yeah, it, it just it's 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 very strange. I don't even know what to make of it. Uh, Linderbaum uh, had some awesome blocks uh, on uh, Keaton Mitchell's 60-yard run, and it's kind of just crazy. You know, he had a few other great sequences that were kind of highlighted on social media, and he's, like, turned into one of the best centers in the league, and we got him for Hollywood Brown. Sneaky jersey purchase? 64 Linderbaum? I mean... Can I pull? Am I tough enough to pull off the 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 Iowa lineman guy? Yes, it's you it's tough. Are. Uh, but yeah, to get him for Hollywood Brown, I, great trade. <laughs> that's that's a win for Eric DaCosta, I'll say. And then just my final sort of thought from the game. This almost doesn't need to be said. I feel like we talk about it every week. Why are we so bad at screens? It just doesn't make sense. Every team gets like 20 yards on a screen pass once a game. And I think every time we tried it, we lost yards. (laughs) Except for like Mark Andrews gained like three yards on a tight end screen we ran. Uh, And he was like the only positive. I know Keaton Mitchell lost yards at one point. It just, it doesn't make sense. It's been like a decades-long thing now. This isn't even just a Lamar Jackson (laughs) problem, but I don't know. It doesn't make sense. I don't get it. Other teams run them like 12 times. Like the Chiefs run like 12 screens a game, and we can't run like one, but I I, I don't get it. It boggles my mind every week I see it. We need to check if Jace is now a father because he bookended that with two of the most dad things I've ever heard, marveling (laughs) at punts and then we stink at screens. Like I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm for it. But man, I, I, we marveled at Jordan Stout's 60 yard punt, and this team can't run screens. They need to eliminate it. Completely agree. Justice Hill thing. Um, the RPOs. You have enough stuff in the offense. You could you could still keep them guessing and completely eliminate that because my God, it doesn't work. Um, and yeah, just to you know go off of what Antonio said about Tony Romo, that dude is the definition of I got paid and I just don't care anymore. Like he was. Everybody loved him when he came into the booth. Everybody loved him. He got the big money from CBS, and my man just checked out. Completely (laughs) checked out. He had notes. I think he had notes until about eight minutes into the first quarter, and then just started repeating the same notes. It's like if the offense that has those 15 scripted plays just started at play one on play 16 and just kept doing that. Like, he I'll tell you what, Jim. Anybody comes here in January, it's going to be tough for them. And they... I heard that 800 times. You heard, oh, they're a Super Bowl contender. I get it. It's a blowout. There's not a ton of stuff to talk about. But, my God, it was it was annoying to listen to. Like, even in a win. Even in a win. It was terrible to listen to. Well, some good news. We're on Fox this week, so no no chance of robot. Some good news. I'll be at the bank, so I won't be listening to them at <laughs> all. Well, now, I gotta, now I'm going gonna to double down on my uh, my pick for uh, Ravens-Browns this week. I, ha- <laughs> I had a pick, and now I really got to lean into it knowing that... 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um, all right, let's turn to the NFL. It was a, a weird week uh, in the NFL. A lot of second-string QBs, a lot of fourth-string QBs playing meaningful minutes. Um, the Browns shut out Clayton Toon. And the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I don't know, Jace will know this, but five bucks to whoever knows where Clayton Toon went to college, just right off the top of your head. Houston. Wait, 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 wait. Can I guess? Can I guess? Not if you looked it up today. No, I haven't. I haven't looked it up. Okay. Fresno State? Jace? Because I don't even remember. I don't think it's that. No, he went to Houston, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Clayton, old Clayton Toon. Or, um, oh, I might be wrong. Double checking. The suspense Meanwhile, is No, he went to Houston. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meanwhile, Houston had one of the more insane games of the year uh, at home against the Bucks. C.J. Stroud threw for 470 yards and five touchdowns. I thought the Bucks' defense was okay. They were a bit long in the tooth, but I thought they had some dudes still. Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, Josh Dobbs leads the Vikings to a win in Atlanta. Wait, that can't be right. No, it is right. Josh Dobbs leads the Vikings to a win in Atlanta after joining them like 45 minutes before the game started. Uh, He was supposed to be the backup in this game. Pressed into action, was seen on the sidelines learning how to take a snap from the center with his entire offensive line crowded around him to hear his cadence of how he snapped a football. That shouldn't win in the NFL. I don't care who you're playing. And it was on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. The Raiders fired their coach. They fired their GM. They benched their quarterback. And then they dropped 30 points on the New York (laughs) football Giants. And I haven't even mentioned any of the premier games yet played this week. Guys, here's my hot take question of the week. Is this good for the NFL? Is this is this bananas play uh, good for the NFL, or is it actually uh, something that's destroying it from the inside? <laughs> oh, it's amazing for the league. Come on, man, it's great. <laughs> this is why th- these games are the games that I mean. I, I say this with a bit of hyperbole, but like this is why the NFL is machine a machine because all of a sudden I'm like. I'm watching Vikings Falcons for Josh Dobbs making incredible <laughs> plays on fourth down. Of course, everybody's going to watch the Germany game between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. You know what? I'm definitely also going to watch Josh Dobbs leading a comeback against <laughs> Arthur Smith, who refuses to play his best players. Um, you know, like you said, learning the cadence, not knowing the plays, getting in the green dot, like hearing the play in the green dot from Kevin O'Connell, the coach, and then saying it in the huddle and the guys being like, oh, yeah, that means I'm going to go here. 
you know, I'm going to do a button hook after six yards. I'm just going to go deep, like, insane, insane stuff. Yeah, of course, man. This is, I mean, look, is the play mediocre? Yes. Is it maybe bad? Could be. Does it make me feel better about the Ravens? Absolutely. And am I going to watch every weekend? Hell yes, I'm going to watch every weekend. So, yeah, I, I'm for it. Let's. That's fine with me. It, it is sort of a double-edged sword, though, I will say, because while it does can produce crazy moments, and I agree with Tim, that's why the NFL is so special, like, is moments like that Dobbs thing, that, like, that finish, and just, like, the Texans game in general. Like, Texans-Bucks, you get a scoregami, you get uh, 470 yards from C.J. Stroud. Uh, that's what makes the NFL special. But then you also look at, like, the week ahead, and you have, like, Derek Carr versus Josh Dobbs as a starting matchup, and you have... Taylor Heineke versus Clayton Toon. That's a game that's happening this week. Uh, it, it, it can you can't get some drags. You can't get some some some, some real dogs of games. Uh, but the moments there are so many highs, and I think of the nine kind of prime times to me, what jumped out was that that Houston game, and I think it kind of goes hand in hand with. A game not not many other people were watching because ninety nine percent of the country, including myself, were watching. Uh, Cowboys Eagles at the time but the Panthers were getting beat by the uh, Indianapolis Colts in a game that saw number one pick Bryce Young throw three interceptions including two pick sixes and on the same day where you know CJ Stroud sets this rookie record for yards and throws five touchdowns that's tough that's tough for the Panthers and you know I still think Bryce Young could be good but definitely kind of Kind of seems like they picked the wrong guy <laughs> at this point at number one. And that stinks. And it stinks for us because it seems like the Texans are yet like another feisty. Now the Ravens, I don't, 99% sure don't play the Texans this year. But we don't need another frisky AFC team with a good young quarterback. That's not that's not what we need. That's not what we need in the conference. So uh, it stinks that the, the Panthers did take, I guess, Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud because it seems like Stroud's going to have the better career. It's early, but uh, he was just really impressive. And the Texans are, are, are plucky. I believe they're back to 500. So that, that game really stood out. And then uh, just the, just to touch on the Raiders before we kind of dive in, I guess, to some of the bigger games. But um, the cigars in the locker room. After, after they won this game and I think that just speaks to how much they hated Josh McDaniels because they entered three and five this wasn't like a winless team that's like oh we got our first win let's cut loose let's let, let some cigars let's have fun like this team had won games they were basically a 500 team but they were like clearly so miserable and what was going on in Vegas that uh yeah, they're, they're lighting victory cigars for, for beating Tommy DeVito uh, after Daniel Jones exits with what appears to be right a season-ending injury, I believe, which is six for the Giants. They're going to be in a, a real, really in the mix for a top-five pick um, now at two and seven. But, yeah, you know, I get it. I guess, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels, by all accounts, is that bad. This is the second time he's gotten fired midway through his second season with the team. <laughs> so he seems impossible to work with. But, uh yeah, uh, smoking c- uh, cigars in the locker room for for beating a, a two and six team. That's a, that's a tough look uh, for Josh McDaniels. Well, Jay Glazer, by the way, gave us the inside info about how much, let's just say it, how much Josh McDaniels is a prick. Um, if you didn't see this story, I will just inform you now. Josh McDaniels, if you don't know, obviously part of the Belichick coaching tree. Um, you know, 
huge jerk who hasn't really accomplished <laughs> anything. He had Tom Brady and Gronk. Good for you. Was the offensive coordinator for those teams for a long time and obviously failed on his own, much like everybody else in the Belichick coaching tree. Uh, Antonio Pierce, the interim is uh, that Jace mentioned there, played for the New York Giants, was a middle linebacker on that 2007 New York Giants team, the one that famously upset the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. Josh McDaniels, while still the head coach of this team, still the head coach of this team, had to, tried to do, do a speech and tried to like get the guys fired up, and nothing was working because everybody hates Josh McDaniels. And he turned to Antonio Pierce and said, I need you to try and pump these guys up. So Antonio Pierce went on to this whole big story about you guys got to play with heart. It's not always about talent. Look at what we did and referenced the famous win in the Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots. Josh McDaniels, after this, team was clearly pumped up. They said, great. Josh McDaniels pulled him aside and said, never talk about the Patriots like that again. He is the Raiders coach saying you are not allowed to diss the New England Patriots in a pump-up speech that I asked to give you, or that I asked you to give, excuse me. What an arrogant SOB. I, I, God willing, these teams have learned their lessons, or maybe don't. Hey, Cleveland, when you fire Stefanski, <laughs> if you're looking for somebody. Um, it, it's remarkable to me that he even got a second chance and... You assume that's the last one, but who knows? You know, who knows with some of these NFL owners? Maybe he's in Carolina by the end of the season. You know, you could see something <laughs> like that happening. But, yeah, what a just a piece of garbage that guy is. And uh, and good for the Raiders to come out flying. Uh, I know it was Tommy DeVito, but, man, you could tell from moment one they were ready to kick some, kick some butt uh, for that guy and not Josh McDaniels. McDaniels can just go get another assistant gig in New England, just be the heir apparent to Bill Belichick in a few seasons, and just do it all over again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one final note that I want to bring up about the NFL, AFC North, all four teams won, uh, yep. because, of course, uh, Cincinnati Bengals have now won four straight. They're 5-3. and three. Everything is great. They probably won't lose again, or they'll lose one game to the Baltimore Ravens uh, and then win out uh, after that. Cleveland and Pittsburgh, I have different opinions on compared to Cincy. They're both five and three. I I don't get it uh, with either scenario. I don't really know how Pittsburgh keeps winning football games. They just I don't know are in good spots at home and then win those games. But I went and looked at Pittsburgh's schedule, and it's like actually kind of soft uh, in the second half, which is very annoying. Cleveland, week in, week out, they could do anything and everything. Um, we'll preview them in a minute here, but I think I think this shakes out to being a two-horse race between the Ravens and Bengals uh, by the time we get to December. But who knows? Um, but the Ravens can't have nice things, so they win four games <laughs> in a row and really have made no space whatsoever in terms of the, the lead in the division. No, and the Bengals look like one of the best teams in the league, too. That's the other thing. Even though as we wake up, uh, like woke up today, somehow, yeah, because every team won, the Bengals are still in fourth place, even though they've ripped off these four straight wins. Uh, but I I'm completely with you, Antonio. I, I thought they just handled the Buffalo Bills. I know that was a one-score game, but it really felt like, I don't know. It, from basically the moment Josh Allen threw that interception when they're up, uh, the Bengals are up 14-7. to seven. It kind of felt to me like the Bills were just never going to win that game. Uh, 
uh, on Sunday night, and and that that's annoying. And I'm with you. I think our what's unfortunately a Thursday night football matchup right after this week against what we know is at least a very good Browns defense at the very least. Uh, you know, it might it might loom large. It might might be important. Uh, and um, yeah, the Steelers are going to make the playoffs. Even though they're an awful team. <laughs> they're, they have like I saw they showed they have like seven wins when they don't score twenty or more points, or like seven wins when they score twenty points or less. Uh, the last two seasons, which is by far the most in the NFL. Uh, they're just going to do Mike Tomlin things. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're probably going to get blown out in the wild card round when they play like the Chiefs or us, hopefully, or uh, um, you know, a team like that, Jaguars again. Um, but they'll make it. <laughs> That's just how it's going to go. And then uh, I guess we should just briefly touch on Cow- Cowboys in a big spot. Uh, I know everyone's going to touch on that, but. Should have won, didn't, kind of, I feel like, how I kind of expect things to go with Dak Prescott these days. But um, with the, the Niners slide, the, what makes that notable is the Eagles are 8-1, and one, haven't even played all that well, it seems like, and are going to cruise to the one seed in the NFC. So that was like the big NFC side story. I think, yeah, AFC side, um, Arwin's going to get a lot of focus, but I do think the Bengals... I think the Bengals are right there. I think they're one of the three best teams in the AFC, and that sucks that they're going to be playing someone in the wild card round. Uh, hopefully not us. <laughs> I kind of just don't want to see it three times. But, uh, yeah, I-, I think they're really good, and I just am so annoyed by them and their fans and the team, uh, and I hate it. Yeah, if you haven't mentioned it quickly, just to note, you know, we have the Browns on Sunday coming up, and then Thursday – short week bangles probably for the division so yeah interesting uh, meanwhile the Steelers remaining not this is not all of their games but they still have games this year against the Green Bay Packers Cleveland Browns Arizona Cardinals New England Patriots Indianapolis Colts Unreal. I mean they're winning a, a, a nice little chunk of those they games even, they're gonna end up going 10 and 7 uh, and getting they didn't even there. finish and last in the AFC like how how is that their schedule Okay, um, let's turn let's turn away from this. We don't have to we don't have to think about it. Then it won't be true. Um, Ravens at home, still at the bank against the Cleveland Browns. Ravens six point favorites in this game. Likely to be a different story than the twenty eight to three three drubbing uh, in Cleveland. It's a different quarterback situation by far i mean i guess if watson plays even if he doesn't play uh, we're still going to have a, a different backup situation than what we had in cleveland deshaun watson um has been in when he we've talked about this week in week out he plays he doesn't play maybe he's concussed maybe it's his shoulder nobody really knows played on sunday uh in their blowout win uh against the cardinals so let's start now with the ravens defense against the browns offense because I am going to go ahead and say, and this impacts um, my pick for for this game, but I'm going to say good luck to Deshaun Watson because yes, he's back. Yes, they shut out an NFL team, which is a thing. The numbers look good from from Sunday, but the actual performance, uh, less so. Um, If you look at Deshaun Watson, the box score, he's got, he has like 200 and something passing yards. He's got two touchdowns, no interceptions. One of his passing touchdowns was on a double-covered slant 
and he threw it just directly into the the head of a lineman in front of him. The ball went 25 feet into the air and magically fell right into Amari Cooper's hands in the middle of the end zone. That's not how he drew it up. He has another very long completion to Cooper for 59 yards. Other than the 59-yarder, his box score is 18 for 29 for 160 yards. They did not dominate in the run game in this game either. The, the Browns averaged 2.8 yards per carry in this game against a bad Cardinals team, won this 27-0 because their defense is good, and, and that's about it. So when we look at this test for, I'm going to say the Browns' offense, uh, no Nick Chubb, right? He's been out for, for a few weeks now and will not be returning this season. The Watson stuff is inconsistent. You have to like where the Ravens' defense is is here in this matchup based on how well they've been playing and another opportunity to just feast on uh, inconsistent quarterback play. I think so. Because, like you said, they'll, the Browns will be more competent than they were when Dorian Thompson-Robinson was playing. That, that game we talked about... Uh, the Ravens, especially like on offense, they threw it into neutral because it it felt like like the Browns just had no chance in that game. This will be a more competitive game, I'm fairly certain. That being said, like you said, Watson hasn't been good, <laughs> and I know like the Browns. So the Browns only gave up 58 yards, which is such a crazy number against the Cardinals. Like I know it's Clayton Tune, but it it. it, it they had the Ravens found enough success against them that I'm still not like real worried about that because like, like, yeah, their offense has to go against our defense. And I think our defense is playing even better than it was when we played the Browns earlier this season, at least certainly at home the last few weeks, these games have been weirdly close the last few years. There's been weird circumstances. There've been some Tyler Huntley starts generally low scoring. Um, but I like the Ravens' chances a lot in this one. Uh, maybe I'm too confident now. That concerns me a little bit. But uh, I, I, I'm with you, Antonio. Yeah, like I, I, I see Watson just based on how he's played this year, really since the moment he got to the Browns, it's hard to imagine him lighting this team up. It's hard to imagine anyone lighting this team up, but especially him, the way he's played. So, um, yeah, I'm not too worried about uh, – them like certainly they'll be more competent than they were with DTR but yeah I I I don't expect too much from them either way yeah now will it be a slog like could our offense get going there's always a chance we get stuck in neutral as we can be from time to time but the way they've been playing at home certainly the last two weeks there's 38 or last two games at home 38 to 6 37 to 3 suggest they're playing well Ah, I made a mistake. I, Tim, as someone going to the game, what is the weather? That is always a big... I, we I have pulled our it first... up just now. That was my my last concern. <laughs> 55, uh, mostly sunny. A little bit of clouds coming through, oh, but nice, my, mild yeah. day. Can't ask for better in November here. So that weather should be concerned because I was thinking as I was talking, I was like, oh, if we get like a 30 degree, just windy, awful day, you know, Lamar in the cold remains to be seen, <laughs> uh, I would say. But yeah, 55 sh- shouldn't be weather concerns. So I don't know. I like the Ravens a lot in this spot. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm ever the skeptic, but this is this <laughs> this is the unit that I have a ton of faith in in this matchup. Um, let's make the Browns regret that contract even more than they already regret it with Deshaun Watson and really show him, um, you know, just give him a nice Baltimore welcome. That's all I really need to add to what Jace had to put there. Is this our first time playing him? I should know this, but... 
They played him last year with Huntley uh, on the road. Right. And lost that game. It was like a 13 to 3. Ugly. <laughs> an ugly Huntley. Sorry, Huntley, but an ugly Huntley performance. <laughs> um, I'm going to make a bold prediction that Deshaun Watson does not play the entire game. Um, wow. I could not. I would not be surprised if he gets banged up uh, from this pass rush to where he comes out for a series or two or is unable to finish the game or something like that, or they're getting so blown out that he doesn't even uh, come out at some point in the fourth. He doesn't want to play anymore because that's apparently kind of been happening this year with him. And guess what? When you give a player a gigantic contract full of guaranteed money and they've already proven to you that they're not the most ethical person in the world, sometimes they're not going to want to play when they're a little banged up. So we'll see. Uh, obviously, I'm speaking a little bit, a little bit in jest, but it's my bold prediction for the game is that he does not play every series uh, offensively for the Browns. Defensively for the Browns against this Ravens offense, I, I'm like weirdly excited about this. I want a test for this offense, and they are getting one. This Browns defense is mean. They're good against the run. They're good against the pass. Miles Garrett, legitimate defensive player of the year candidate. Can't just, just, just double him. Just double every play. Uh, put uh, Project Pat on whatever side whatever side you see Garrett rushing from as a, as a little chip, little guy on the end to help out. Um but let's test the run efficiency of the Ravens' offense against this defense and then get just enough plays from Lamar Jackson. How are you guys feeling going up against this unit? We already saw it. We saw this unit a couple of days. They didn't have a bunch of backups in when we played in Cleveland, so can we get some more of the same here against what at the time was one of the most vaunted defenses of the last 50 years, at least to that point in the season? <laughs> So, so that's what is encouraging is um, we found some some running success against them in a way pretty much no other team did. And, and I'm with you that I think it's a good test on if we can replicate it. They have seen us. But like we kind of mentioned, or I, I might have mentioned it, uh, that game was so like one-sided because uh, of this, the situation with the Browns quarterback the last time we played that it, it did feel like the Ravens didn't show too much. And they might have to go more all out this game. So that I, I'm 100% with you, Antonio, that I think it is such a good test to see, like, you know, the Seahawks, yes, a good team. The Lions, a good team. But the Browns, I think, are a different level, at least in terms of defense. Can't speak to their offense. But uh, their defense has been fairly consistent. They do seem to beat up more on the weaker teams. Like we said, 58 yards is astounding. It's also Clayton Toon and a Cardinals team that's actively trying to get the first pick. <laughs> so, you know, what can you do? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see it. And it's, and it's because of the if they can replicate their ground success, maybe work in Keaton Mitchell because uh, I don't – well, he didn't have a carry before uh, Sunday. So um, get him into the mix and see if he can find success too in a way. And so – because if they can sustain their ground success – against the Browns, I think they have a pretty good chance to win. Um, but it'll be a tough challenge to see if they can do it. The Ravens in that game were also missing Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, Ronnie Stanley, and later into the game, Morgan Moses. As of right now, as we record, all those guys are fine. Um, who knows what happens over the week, and we get some muddled John Harbaugh quotes. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this is the unit you worry about. This is, the, this is the phase of the game that I think you need to win to convincingly win this game. Um, but... I don't know, man. Like, Miles Garrett is incredibly good, right? Like, and, and the defense is good. But stop throwing around historic. And I think 
if I'm a coach, I, I don't know. Maybe this doesn't work for professional players, but if I'm if I'm a coach in there, I'm saying they keep talking about this defense like it's one of the better defenses of all time. They're disrespecting our boys on the other side of the ball, although maybe not so much anymore. And you went out there and stomped them just a few weeks ago, and they still don't believe that you can do it again. Do it again. Just do it again. And I, I think Jace is right. I think there's, there's more cohesion in this unit already. Um, and and there's obviously the guys are a little bit more healthy. Um, if, unless Miles Garrett has like four sacks in this game, which could happen. I, I You know... That is absolutely a thing. He is capable of that. Um, I, oh God, I'm, I'm freaking confident in the Ravens' offense too, which is just famous last words. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking. Lamar, we've seen him have a four interception game against the Browns, I believe, in a win. <laughs> they won that game, but uh, he ha- he has uh, turned the ball over. And yeah, I, I, the path to losing, I think, is. Miles Garrett strip sack that leads directly to a touchdown, <laughs> that kind of thing. So yeah, if they could, I mean, just they need to just avoid that in general blanket statement. Just turn the ball over less. That like that's even in all these wins, they're still putting the ball on the ground against the Seahawks twice. Like just don't do that. But if, if they can avoid the crippling turnover, yeah, I, I I think they 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 stand a good chance in this game. My only intangible for this game is something that we have been complaining uh, about the last few I'll say the last few months we haven't done it week by week but complaining about the home field advantage for this team not being such a thing uh, in recent years when it used to be undefeated at the crib split on the road Jace quoted Ray Lewis uh, a few years ago so this is me doing the Wayne Gretzky Michael Scott uh, me (laughs) quote it was Ray Lewis quotes Jace Evans quotes me Um, this season obviously two gigantic wins at home in the last three weeks they also took care of business week one against the texans which is looking like a better and better win uh every week even though of course that was rookie rookie coach rookie quarterback week one but took care of business one by 16 uh at home the one blemish that confounding loss to the colts in overtime so the ravens uh undefeated at home in regulation you can't beat them in 60 minutes at home so uh, let's keep that trend going. Um, I just don't... I think the Ravens are going to be stifled a little bit on offense. There are going to be stretches where the Ravens' offense goes three and out. But I just don't see Cleveland putting up a lot of points. It's so nice to be able to say we have this dominating defense that's going to keep the Browns down for much longer stretches. So I'm taking the Ravens. Um, maybe like a Ravens and the under kind of thing. But the Ravens, as six-point favorites... Um, I kind of want to pull up pull up the uh, over under. I'd be curious to see what it what it if it's over forty thirty eight and a half. Ah, here you go. So I wouldn't fist. So that's pretty pretty well well placed. But I'm gonna take the Ravens. Uh, I'm gonna have them in like a twenty to ten type of game, twenty to thirteen, something like that, and they end up covering. Uh, last week I was two and one with my picks. Lost the Ravens pick. Me of little faith. Um, but I did win the Chiefs uh, Germany game because the Dolphins are frauds. And I won the Bengals game because we don't deserve anything nice. 12 and 15 uh, on the season, but on the right track here, so we're going to keep rolling. Ravens, minus six. My next pick. (sighs) I'm taking a deep sigh because I hate it, and I hate how sure I am of it. Steelers, minus three at home against the Packers. Give me a break. Green Bay coming off that 
amazing win against the Rams, go into Pittsburgh, and all of a sudden they can't get first downs, Jordan Love looks confused, their kicker misses two field goals, and the Steelers will win this football game by four points. So Steelers minus three, and then I'm going back to the teases. You said, Antonio, stop doing teas. Stop teasing me. And I said, no, I can't stay away, so I'm coming back to it. <laughs> three teams, six-point tees. I'm moving the Lions from minus one and a half at the Chargers to plus four and a half. I think the Lions win that game straight up. That's why they're favored on the road against the Chargers, but I'm moving this line anyway to plus four and a half. I love the Lions at plus four and a half. They could lose this game by a field goal, and you're still okay. The Seahawks, I'm moving them down to even. They are at home against the Commanders. You know who haven't really been good in their wins or losses? The Commanders. They have to travel west. They're playing in Seattle. That can be a raucous crowd. We know that. And this line originally was only six. The Seahawks coming off of this terrible game. They want to get back on track. I can see them being pumped up at home and doing it against a not very good commanders team. You get that at even. And then the Bills to minus one and a half against the Broncos. It's almost like the same thing as the Seahawks here. The Bills are had a bad, annoying loss. They're kind of scrambling. They're almost in must-win mode. Uh, and they get to play at home against a weird Broncos team, but but certainly not a good one, even with their, their win um, against the Chiefs. So I like this getting down to a tight one and a half. It's a primetime game. I believe that might be a Monday night. It is, yeah. Yes, yeah, that Monday. is the Monday night game. So you know who's going to be raucous is a Bills crowd uh, on Monday night. I can just see Russell Wilson not being able to hear, having to call a bunch of timeouts uh, to avoid delay of games, and that game being a bit of a mess. So Lions plus Four and a half, Seahawks even, Bills minus one and a half, three team tees, bet a hundred, win a hundred and sixty. Um, I did not have official picks last week because I was watching the Washington Wizards get blown out by the Boston Celtics. <laughs> but I did go four and one in real life, and I actually did bet the Ravens minus whatever, five and a half, whatever it was. Um did I put all of my winnings into bets for this week immediately? Yes, I did. And including the following, which I'm giving out to you all. Ravens minus six, I believe. Uh, I got an IRL at minus 5.5. I believe in that a little more than minus six. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the minus six, I do think the Ravens win this game. I think they've been playing too well. Um, my, my sicko pick of the week, uh, the Carolina Panthers plus three and a half at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football. Uh, the Panthers, they gotta win this game. They're already giving their first round pick to the Bears. Chase, baby, what are we do? What are we doing here? So many of Look, these things don't make sense. Can the number one pick has to outplay Tyson Bajan, who went to Shepard? <laughs> like, he just has to. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I don't think the Panthers are going like two and fifteen. I feel like they're gonna win some games. So, uh, yeah. So that's the pick. That, that's one of the picks. <laughs> So, yeah, um, that's the pick. <laughs> look, I'm not saying it's sound financial advice. I'm not putting much money on this, but uh, it is a pick. It is a pick. It's a real thing I have in my portfolio, <laughs> uh, and it is what it is. Um, I am with you, Antonio. Lock of the year, Steelers minus three against the Packers. That's 100% going to happen. It's going to be like a 20 to 13 final score. Um, uh, Steelers fans will be mad the whole time. They'll win the game. Um uh, the Packers stink. Uh, they're not a good, and I don't know how the Steelers don't beat them. Uh, and then just kind of a bonus pick. Um, 
Falcons plus one and a half at Cardinals? Not sure what's going on with that. It kind of stinks a little bit. But again, we just mentioned we saw the Cardinals gain 58 offensive yards with Clayton Toon. Now, I know I guess it's the return of Kyler Murray, right? He's supposed to be back this week. The Falcons are a better team. <laughs> like, even for all their problems, the Cardinals are 1-8, and eight, and the Falcons are, like, floating around 500 and have blown, frankly, several of these games. They should have at least two more wins than they do against the Commanders, probably, and uh, against Josh Dobbs. They should have won on Sunday. Um, yeah, I don't get it. So I'm going with the Falcons. I, I just think they're a better team. I, uh, yeah, um, Cardinals stink. They're trying to get the first overall pick and probably trade Kyler Murray, I'm guessing. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, those those are the picks for this week. Some some I think uh, I feel stronger about and uh, better about in general. Steelers minus three, the Ravens pick. Panthers, that's that's not for the faint of heart, but <laughs> I'm giving it to you all regardless. Um, so I went two and one last week on the show. Uh, lost the Seahawks, but did win Eagles and the German under of 50 and a half. Um, also, just, I did this a few weeks ago, but... I went 3-0 and on blind girlfriend bets where I just said two teams to Carly. She picked the team. Blind girlfriend? Yeah. The, yeah no, she, she could see. But, no, just they, hey, uh, this team or this team, pick this team. And that went 3-0. and So just do that. Highly recommend it. For some reason, that works. Um, and Or maybe it'll fail miserably for you and I'm giving you bad financial advice, which could be the case, and I apologize for that. Um, but, yeah, 2-1 and last week. This week – I'm just on Browns plus six. I'm just, I'm, I'm going. I think I might be bad luck. I, I don't think they've won in a couple of times <laughs> the last time I've been. I keep picking against them and they keep winning. I'm, I'm super superstitious. I'm an idiot. I know. I'm just picking Browns plus six because I know I'm just really sweating in, in the, in the chair at M&T Bank Stadium. Just like, oh my God, Deshaun Watson just gained another first down because Geno Stone missed his fourth tackle of the game on a crucial third down. What are we doing? It's going to be one of those. Um, I hope it's not, obviously, but Browns plus six, Ravens win. Um, off this, I'll go I'll go quickly. Uh, I'm with you on the Falcons thing. So Kyler Murray is supposed to return. That doesn't make the Cardinals a favorite against anybody um, with the rest of the talent on that team. The, the only team that they haven't lost to by double digits in the last, like, four or five weeks is the Ravens, and that was the most backdoor cover of all backdoor covers with the double onside kick thing. I mean – Come on, it's it's I, I I don't think I think Arthur Smith is doing like the troll job, knowing that he's a billionaire <laughs> if he gets fired. So he doesn't matter if he just doesn't play his most talented players, <clears throat> John Robinson. But whatever he I, that that team, he, even with the the weird, you know, screwing around of Arthur Smith, the Falcons should beat the Cardinals. So I, why why am I getting plus one and a half points? I don't understand it. So give me that one as well with Jace, and then I'm taking off a bye. The 49ers, minus three against the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are they do have to travel to Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville's a very good team. This is not, um, eh, you know, maybe they deserve to be favored against the Niners team that everybody's kind of down on, but everybody's kind of down on the Niners. And I think three points, even with people being down, is a bit of disrespect for a team that has had a full week to prepare and might go in saying, you know what, it's time to kick some butt. Um, I, I believe Jacksonville might have been on a bye as well. Um, I don't remember who they played. I do a quick. Uh, they were, yes. So both these teams coming off a bye. So it, I know it's a little bit more difficult. I think the 49ers have a lot more to prove. I think a lot of people have been starting to disparage them a little bit after, you know, 
riding you know riding the Niners all season long. Um, but I think this is a big spot for them. I think that they kind of you know lay the wood to the Jaguars in a way. So give me the minus three there. Um, wouldn't be surprised if the Jags won, but I just think that that this this is it's as as must win territory for a team that doesn't need to win uh, for the Niners. I think so. Give me them minus three against the Jags. Uh, Tim must win for Purdy. Does he get benched if uh, if he doesn't deliver here and they lose four games there in a row? Are. Do you have to? Do you start looking around and so maybe it's Darnold time? There are some Sam Darnold rumblings. Maybe <laughs> maybe he just starts by the time you by the time you're hearing this. Maybe if you listen a little bit late on a Wednesday or a Thursday, uh, they've already announced that Sam Darnold is starting. He's been taking all the first team reps over these two weeks, and then he comes and lights it up. We'll have to see. Uh, all right. Well, that is going to do it for us. Let's keep going let's keep winning games by 30 points it's got to be loud tim you better be loud at the bank you got a nice one o'clock game you don't even have to worry about it being in prime time or any fears like that you can worry about that on thursday for now it's a nice afternoon game for you in the sun i promise i promise to be horse for pod like a raven on monday perfect perfect all right for tim horsey and jay sevens i am antonio barbera thank you as always for listening to us here on pod like a raven we will see you next week say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.